Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back, everyone, to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Episode 5. We made it to 5. Here we are. And uh, today's topic is going to be mostly, uh, it's going to be about Chris Nolan. We were originally going to do Tenant. It was going to be a, a review and discussion about the film Tenant. However, because of coronavirus, Tenant has not been released yet. It Nor was, have any movie theaters been open. Yeah. <laughs> so in America, it was originally supposed to come out the first week of July. Then it got pushed back to mid-July, then the end of July. And then it canceled indefinitely. And then a new date for August 12th. So I believe that's the current situation. It's being released on August 12th. That's what they say. We'll see, depending on what coronavirus, what happens. But um, the thing with Chris Nolan and Tenet, he has such power and brevity in Hollywood and in the film industry that pretty much whatever he wants to be done with his movie is going to get done with his movie. Especially with Warner Brothers, because he's, he's the crown jewel of Warner Brothers. Because... Other than Harry Potter and just DC Comics in general, he is the biggest brand at Warner Brothers over the past 20 years. Exactly. So yeah. they want to make him happy. He's made them a hell of a lot of money. Billions. Billions. And, he, I mean, he, he. other than a memento, every film that he's ever made has made over $100 million. That's insane. And that's including The Prestige and uh, Insomnia. It's funny because any other director would be like, oh, my God, my movie made $100 million. Yeah. And he's just like, that's nothing. And the thing is, like, yeah, he makes – like superhero movies and big budget movies, but they're, every year there are plenty of big budget movies that bomb. Yeah, So absolutely. it's something to be said about, he has such a strong fan base where his name, only a few filmmakers are able to market their movies with just their name. Yeah, he's like, the opening there's, name. There's Tarantino, the there's Spielberg, um, who else? Maybe J.J. Abrams. Scorsese. Scorsese, that's it. Because yeah, when you see a trailer for a Chris Nolan movie, the, the first line of... of English you see is a film by Chris Nolan. Or this, Chris Nolan the Teddy trailer goes the revolutionary director. Of <laughs> yeah. So he's the show. Yeah. Which is very rare for a movie. Like he's the reason people go see him mm. rather than the actors or the writers or whatever. But he's never had a movie lose money. Even Memento, it only made $35 million, but it was only made for like $6 million. It's a lot. So it still made a big profit. Yeah. So I think the cool thing about him is there are international movie theaters open and Warner Brothers wanted him to release them international the movie internationally but he's like unless you can see it everywhere unless you can see it in America I don't want to release my movie 
Not only that, I don't want to put it online despite how much Warner Brothers or studios want him to put it online. Well, the, the thing is, there's two problems with that. Because if it gets released in foreign markets, it's going to get put online. People are going to pirate it. Exactly. And when it does eventually come out in America, not that many people are going to see it. Because everyone's stuck at home. Even if you're not a pirating kind of person, there's a good chance if there's a quality stream, you're going to pirate Tenet if it comes online. I'll pay for the stream. That's just because I'm a huge fan. But the average yeah. moviegoer, they're not no, going to fucking gonna pay for it. You know, we live in a world where we, we don't want to pay for music. Bro, we stream MMA fights. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell Dana White. <laughs> Sorry, Dana, UFC. I, I stream. $75. Yeah. $75. Yeah, but the thing with it is these studios are mega businesses and they want a return on investment fast. And but they've put $300 million into this investment and they want a return. Yes, you will make money back and probably make the budget back online, but they want I don't think they will even break even online. I really don't. But that's what they want. They want their they want their money fast, man. This is this is the way these businesses work. They don't care if they break even or not, they just want something because they put so much in. They put three hundred million dollars into this movie. Yeah, but we're talking about a business where films, a film can make a billion dollars in theaters, but there's no way a movie makes a billion dollars online. They, so yeah, know. So if you set this precedent where oh we're just gonna release our biggest re- movie of the year online, then it's gonna be like oh everyone's gonna next time they make a big movie oh we don't really feel like going to the theaters. Can you put it online this time, bro? bro you dish out three hundred million dollars of your own money and t- you tell me how quickly you want it back. If they, this happened with Trolls when it came out online, it made like a hundred million dollars, and people were like, "Oh, this is the future." And it's like, no, Trolls they spent like fifty mil just on marketing. Trolls the animated movie. Yeah, and the budget for the movie was a hundred million, so they didn't make it. They didn't even break even. I'm just saying they want their money. They want something back. No, they're it, making money. It's like the mob, and you got like the. It's Warner Brothers. You got the vig out they on. They just you. released HBO Max. They're getting those <laughs> subscriptions. They're 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 making a little cake right now. They can wait it out. But with Nolan, you gotta wait it out because his movie it can make a billion dollars. I think you're being naive about money. I think you're being naive about what Warner Brothers wants. <laughs> <laughs> and that is to make Chris Nolan happy at any cost. I think we're both right. How about that? Mm. Anyways, but Chris Nolan's probably my favorite director of all time. And um, one of the, he's probably the only director whose movies I can name chronologically. <laughs> I can do this. You're not gonna mess it up. No, let's go. Ready? You, we'll go back and forth. All right. I'll start following. Memento. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Insomnia. <laughs> you did that earlier. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Batman Begins. The Prestige. Dark Knight. Inception. Dark Knight Rises. Interstellar. Dunkirk. Tenet. Yeah, there we go. I didn't I didn't mess up though. You came you said the wrong Bro, movie. it's the same thing as when you're taking a test with pencil and then you erase. write the first couple letters, then you just erase it. It's not yeah, a wrong you answer. Can't, you can't brag like was that. Was I wrong? You can't have that was confident. I, did I then, not say probably? Did I not say probably? De- definitely. I said probably. Well we have a record, so I, I'll be able to see what you said. I pr- you you probably forgot to record it. I'm gonna put it. <laughs> Well, what's your favorite Chris Nolan movie? So, if I had to put a top ten list together, the top three list, I mean, I would probably pick it. So, my favorite probably wouldn't be the same as what I think his best is. My favorite Chris Nolan movie, I mean, it's actually, it probably is the same. It's probably Dark Knight, I think, is my favorite and his best. And then it goes, Dun- and then his best top three, his best movies are Dunkirk. I mean, um, The Dark Knight, Dunkirk. Than Inception in that order, mm. but that's just straight from a filmmaking standpoint, like not my favorites. Like 
in terms of which Chris Nolan movie I've seen the most, it's definitely Batman Begins. 100%. I've seen that movie a hundred times. It's because they had it on AMC and they had like it on a couple ne- of years. They had it on Netflix yeah. for like, the funny thing is it was on Netflix for like a year and I put it on all the time even though we have it on DVD. <laughs> we have it on Blu-ray so it's like just because the ease it's of it. It's like it goes on Netflix. I think I text you like, oh, they got Batman Begins on Netflix. It's like, we have the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, Netflix brainwashed us. There's something about the convenience of just <laughs> clicking a button to play it rather than like opening a, a DVD book to Life's so convenient for us. So, like, <laughs> I've probably seen Batman Begins maybe 70 times. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. I think I'm the same. And not, like, sitting down to watch completely, but, like, I've put it on as, like, background noise a lot. Yeah. Like, I love Batman Begins. It's not my favorite Nolan movie, obviously, but the first 40 minutes, the first the first act of Batman Begins is, I think, the best one of the best first acts of the last 20 years. Best origin story of it's any unbelievable. comic book movie, any superhero movie. Probably yeah. best origin story I've seen in yeah, cinema. Yeah, until you saw Doctor Strange when they ripped it off. Oh, yeah, because Doctor Strange is so good. They just steal everything about Literally, Batman Literally, Doctor Strange, like, scene by scene, ripped off Batman Begins. Well, and, like, you were telling me that the movie posters, which I totally forgot about, because I remember when I saw the trailer yeah. and I saw the posters for Doctor Strange, I think we were... The entire a, marketing campaign. I think we had a text exchange, like, yeah. this is Inception and yeah. Dark Knight. Yeah, all the movie posters for Doctor Strange are literally the movie posters for Inception just with the Doctor Strange characters in them. And then, like, when I watched the trailer and then you watch the movie where he's moving the buildings around, it's like, this is Inception! This already ha- we already did this! This is we Inception! Already did this. And no one gave a fuck. Everyone was like, oh, Doctor Strange, bro. <laughs> MCU, bro. Oh, it's, oh, it's way better than DC. Fuck DC. Kevin Feige, bro. No, but f- seriously, Doctor Strange it starts out with this super wealthy, arrogant millionaire who's, like, so full of himself, just like Bruce Wayne. Um, and just like Bruce Wayne gets emotionally damaged and shattered by his, his parents' murder, Doctor Strange gets physically damaged and shattered. His hands get ruined, so he can't be a doctor anymore. And then they fall into, like, this abyss of darkness. Then they both travel to a foreign country, and they, they go under the stewardship of uh, a, a physical martial art and spiritual leader and teacher, and they're trained in their art forms, and then they become the superhero of the movie. Then they go back to the States and fight the bad guy. So it's literally Batman Begins. Pretty close. The only thing I would say is Batman Begins. He doesn't, the movie doesn't open with him being, like, that like egocentric, arrogant, rich kid. It just shows uh, him as a troubled rich kid. All right, I'll I'll give you. So like it opens with him falling down the well, mm. and then and then he just hates the world, even <laughs> though he's super rich. Well, because his parents died, suck. But um, so it doesn't completely start off the same, but it's similar. But then, but then all the action scenes, once things get going, it's literally Inception style action. Yeah. So it's literally Doctor Strange is a ripoff of Batman Begins and then Inception. So it's a double Nolan ripoff combination. But it it sucks because. Inception is one of those movies that he, Chris Nolan's made three movies probably where you just it blows your mind that he didn't get nominated for best director. He got snubbed twice for sure. So he got snubbed with Inception. He got snubbed with Dark Knight. He got nominated for Dunkirk, and it was a massive snub that I think Inception and Dark Knight both should have been nominated for best picture too, not just Absolutely. best director. Absolutely. I mean Inception. It won Best Cinematography, yeah. It won, like, Best Sound Design, yeah, probably. Yeah. Stuff like that. It yeah. got a bunch of nominations, but not, like, the real nominations that matter. Cinematography, yes, matters to me. But, like, a bunch of... It didn't get nominated for editing. Like, how did Inception not get... How did Dark, The Dark Knight not get nominated for Best Picture? Because it's a superhero movie. Well, yeah, so... Now it's okay to nominate a movie for if it's a superhero movie. Because, yeah, Black Panther got But nominated. back then, it was like, oh, it's a superhero movie. It can't get nominated for Best Picture. And it's because the Academy is so hypocritical. The Academy is so... Traditional. Pretentious. It's not traditional. It's pretentious because Hollywood thinks they're better... 
Hollywood actors in the in the academy think they're better than superheroes. They think they're better than comedians. They see this the superhero movie of oh, it's a Batman movie. We can't nominate that with with our rich and sophisticated, real dramatic acting. We can't put that. <laughs> I in don't the see same any category. Nazi. There are no Nazis in The Dark Knight. And um, and then they see that, and it's the same thing with comedians. Like Jim Carrey never got any respect from the Academy, even d- for Eternal Sunshine. Desp- even for Truman Show. Yeah, like, Truman, Truman Show. Show. How did so he not good. get nominated at least? He's so good in for that. Best Actor for the Truman Show. Same thing. They look at him. He's a comedian. Oh, he's not as good as us. He's not a real actor. Robin Williams got away with it because Robin Williams charmed everybody in the world. Mm. So we, I think Robin's a little different in terms of comedians getting no respect from the Academy. But Jim Carrey was is just as good a dramatic actor as Robin Williams. Oh yeah. But I think Hollywood is so pretentious with their their dramas and period pieces. And Meryl Streep. If Meryl Streep was not in the movie, it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see Meryl Streep in Dark Knight. <laughs> so that's why Chris Nolan's movies never get nominated for, for Best Picture, even though they should. Like Inception, one of the most groundbreaking movies ever made. Oh, yeah. And it's like 2001 Space Odyssey, so ahead of its time. And if you understand like how hard it is to make a movie, but then also like what he, the, the movie he crafted, how you are not nominated for directing that movie is insane to me. He didn't even get nominated it's for crazy. a screenplay or anything. Yeah. No, I think he got a screenplay nomination. Did he? Yeah. For Inception? Yeah. I'll have to check that. Yeah, I think he did, yeah. All right. Anyways. But still, best direct. Like, he crafted, like, the most amazing fucking action movie we've seen in years. Not even just action movie, just psychologically thought-provoking Yeah, challenges. I've seen in a long time. Yeah, there are there are a lot of one, plenty of thought-provoking movies that don't have to do it on such a scale or budget that they did it with Inception. But like, isn't it even more of an accomplishment to take this massive budget, this huge movie, this wild idea, and just make it so sophisticated at the same time and to challenge you still to this day? I've seen Inception thirty times and get, still, to get so many people to see it. Still think about it. Yeah. Yeah. What What's your take on the ending of Inception? My take on the ending of Inception. Is um I think he got out of the dream. Uh-huh. So that's just like happy my happy ending. ending. I'm the same way. Because you know what? <laughs> I love that he left it open, and I love how it enraged people that he <laughs> he left it like that. People were like, well, it was no, it was still spinning, and then like no, but it was gonna fall down. You can see the, you can see a tip the for very a last frame. It, it tips for a second. The, the, listen to the sound. It's about to fall down. No, it was staying. His children actually didn't turn around, so we didn't see their faces. Yeah. So I love the debate that he leaves because. That, genius that's, of that's, him. That's what's so good about that movie too. It's kind of like when you see a great movie and the hero dies, like you feel crappy, like oh, why does the hero have to die? But then it's like it makes the movie better. But any movie where you where it makes you think about it over and over again, where you even even years after you see it, you're like oh wait, what? Are, and you make different connections and you produce different theories based on diff, like different interpretations of it. That's something like very few movies ever do. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's something to be said about that. Where it can linger with you, and you can still like there are, like moments where I'm just like I'll just think about Inception. I'll be like, oh, what about that? Yeah. It's like what other movies do that? It's not like freaking Mulholland Drive where you're like, what is what that the movie fuck about? Does anything mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's like you understand it, and you know what? I understand that it, it is a confusing movie for a lot of people. Instead, well, a lot of Chris Nolan's movies are confusing for it's, people. It's, it's pretty because he bounces around listen. in time so much. But it's it's just because. You can get it on the first viewing. You just gotta pay attention. Pay attention you gotta watch. You gotta yeah. listen. You gotta stay off your phone. You gotta just focus, and you gotta think. That's why his movies are so great at. They make you think while you're watching it. They make you think before you even see it. They mm-hmm. make you think after you see it. 
Whereas you see, you go see Fast Nine, and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna fucking regurgitate. Oh, this. they just like drove a car oh, off a helicopter plane. Helicopter exploded. Yeah, yeah this, this, this is an awesome movie, man. Yeah, Vin Diesel he doesn't look old at all. This is cool. <laughs> Vin Diesel doesn't look like a 50 year old boxer. <laughs> but Chris Nolan's movies are so good at that. They make you think, which is one of the most amazing experiences you can have at a movie. Yeah, it's to challenge yourself. And so what is going on? What's mm. this about? And, and how can like I to relate see to my life? New, to see something new and exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that's why his fans love him so much. And that's why his movies always, they're always successful. Even with the wildest, hard to sell ideas. Because they're always exciting. There's never, there's no Chris Nolan movie that's not fresh and different. You know what I mean? I think the thing with and Chris unique. Nolan's movies that that people find them most enticing and engaging is the fact that he uses time so much in terms of manipulating time? Oh yeah, or I altering made a list. time because because what's the most valuable thing to human beings? Time is our most valuable thing. Time, absolutely. And then there's not enough time. He's one life. of the only filmmakers out there that consistently messes with time. Yeah, or and plays it, I, with time. I made a list of it. So, um, in Memento, the story runs backwards. In insomnia, since Al Pacino can't sleep, time seems to like blend together. You don't even know what it kinda, day it is. It seems like it's not even going yeah. on. Yeah, and Prestige, the the story is told in different, uh, uh, several different um, time periods mm-hmm. with flashbacks and flash forwards, and you're like, wait, what is the present? Um, Interstellar, the planet that is located next to the black hole. When uh, McConaughey and the team go there, they spend an hour there, but they age twenty years in Earth time. Mm-hmm. What Earth ages twenty yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. Um, and in Tenet, it seems as though time is reversed and manipulated by some of the characters in the yeah. film. Because I think, I think for a lot of people, they're afraid to talk about time, and they don't, they don't. That's want why to people ex- distract themselves. They don't want to accept that time goes on, yeah. and they don't want to accept that they're losing time in their limit. lives. And then you watch a challenging movie that that plays with it and, and addresses it, and and then it, it's just really, it just really. It, it pulls you into the storyline. Yeah. It, it makes the movie more of like a, like a like a drug experience almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just like this is so crazy. Like, and then it makes you think about your future, makes you think about your past, makes you think about your present. It kind of sort of puts things into perspective for you. Yeah, that's one of his main elements is in well, a lot all of his this, films. all of his movies have very complex themes. Yeah, you know what I mean? They're built around complex and um, sophisticated themes and ideas. And love. And, he's and a lot about of love. And Chris Nolan, a lot of his characters are always dressed very well in nice suits, <laughs> and he, they have slicked back hair, which is why I did my hair like this. That's today. why I'm wearing a polo today. I did the JGL Inception look. Probably you're if, pulling it off without. If I shaved my face, I would look just like JGL. I hate Inception. to see you out of control. <laughs> That's a good JGL face. A little more. But in terms of characters, it's pretty funny when you think about the um, the female leads in his characters because he does tend, he tends to kill them. <laughs> Or they're always just out of the picture. Or out of the picture. So, like, in Memento, um, his wife is murdered, and that's what gets him on his investigation spree to find the killer his of his vengeance. wife. Like, she's brutally murdered in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, Rachel is blown up in the dark night. <laughs> <laughs> I love to think about that. Oh, yeah, Rachel got blown up. <laughs> Rebecca Hall kills herself in The Prestige. Uh, Maul kills herself in Inception. <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> McConaughey's wife in Interstellar is just dead. It's not in existence. I wonder what who, like... John David Washington definitely has a dead wife. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no way John David Washington doesn't have a dead wife. There's in that definitely movie. A, 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 a he is a partner who's definitely dead. 
Absolutely. Or she's like suicide. trapped the in time. The opening scene is she kills herself. <laughs> <laughs> she's trapped in time somewhere. And he has to save her. You can well, see it in his eyes. I have a guess about Tenet where he's there's someone secret in it, I think, that is going to be a surprise that he's keeping under like wraps. Like a villain? Like Matt Damon in Interstellar. That's where, dude, I, that's one of my favorite things about Interstellar. That movie, I love Interstellar so yeah. much, and I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about it. I think it's a phenomenal movie. Interstellar's great. But then, when they reveal Matt Damon in Interstellar, I remember we were watching it in theaters. Yeah. I completely forgot Matt Damon was yeah. in the movie. I remember, like, seeing... It's an the, hour and a half in. Yeah, I remember seeing, like, the, the articles, like, oh, Matt Damon's in Chris Nolan's new movie. But he's not in any marketing, no posters. No trailers, no, no nothing, nothing no, no taglines, no credits, no nothing, and if anything leading up to the movie... Halfway through the movie, he comes out of the fucking sleeping chamber. The whole theater is like, oh my god! Because it's fucking everyone Matt came, Damon. Everyone came to life. Everyone's one like, of what those, the fuck? One of the most liked faces in the world. The most famous person in the movie yeah. just came out of a fucking box <laughs> an hour and a half into the movie. And I forgot he was in it. And you know, people like us, we knew he was in, like, got cast. But then most of the audience, they're not looking at... I forgot, like, though, because like, 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 yeah. you're so engrossed in the and film. And we're an hour and a half into it. We're like, oh, I guess, yeah, we completely forget about it. It's like, fucking Matt Damon. <laughs> so that was one of the best parts of Interstellar. Yeah. And one of the geniuses of Chris Nolan, because he knows, yeah, it's a cool thing to do that. But he knows Matt Damon, the effect he would have on an audience yeah. in a movie theater... And just watching from that us. and to hide it and, and keep it so secretive because he turns up so late in the movie it's genius to hide him that shows you that he understands the audience probably better than any filmmaker ever this, yeah, that's Which a good point probably, to make. Uh, 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 it shows, and it's a testament to the it's success t- his all you have to look have. at All you have to look at is the box office. He, like, his movies, people always turn out for them. He understands moviegoers because he loves movies so much, and yeah. he loves going to he, the movies. The experience. Yeah, so Which he, is what's so important, which is why it needs to be released in films. In theaters. In theaters, I mean. yeah. Tenet needs to be released in theaters, for sure. Yeah, Interstellar, I think, is... I love space, so I really love that Chris Nolan tackled space yeah. and. I, it's it's pretty amazing movie. It's a great movie. It's and a fantastic movie. Visually stunning. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are going to be caught. I know a lot of people hate on Chris Nolan and they hate on Interstellar. But man, it's a, re- it's a really good movie. It's, it's got a great score. It's great. It's one of my favorite space movies ever. Yeah. And there are a lot of really good space movies, but that's up there. I cried, I think, three times in that movie. It's a sad movie. Did you know that? You know the scene where... Um, uh, McConaughey comes back from the planet where they lost all the, the, the twenty call? years, yeah. and they do the yeah the video call of their family. Chalamet. He's watching um, <laughs> Jessica Chastain, uh-huh. and um, Chalamet. Oh, I forgot Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, he, is he plays. Son. He plays the young son. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> he plays is his young son Casey Affleck. Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> I was like Chalamet. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet is McConaughey's son in Interstellar. That was shit. his first movie. You're right. He's got like a crew cut. Yeah. Um, or like he's got like a short fade. Anyways, so what the the video of Jessica Chastain when he's watching them, mm. Chris Nolan is so obsessed with film. He shot those on thirty five millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> he shot those videos of like the webcam in thirty five uh, millimeter film. <laughs> that scene when McConaughey is weeping, looking at his kids and they're grown up. That got me so hard. I was weeping in the theater. I was crying. In the I was like too. choking. I could hardly breathe. It was so sad. And, and McConaughey fucking sold that so well because you came so became so invested in the characters. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's a that's such a tragic thing to think that you lost twenty years of your kids' lives. Yeah, like you weren't there. You and were a gone. lot of other filmmakers probably would have shown Jessica Chastain growing, growing up. up. Yeah, rather than when the last time you saw her character, she was like a little kid. Yeah, and she and was and crying, he and he fl- he drove away. Yeah, and that was she, the last yeah. time you saw her. Yeah, it was last time. And it was just shocking to see her as an adult. And then you see her as an adult. Because then you, that's, the whole point is, it's the point of you, McConaughey, so you see what he sees. Yeah. So that's why it works so well, because you're, and you get to feel what he's feeling, because 
He hasn't seen her, and you haven't seen her either. And it's so interesting. He, McConaughey was that scene was one of my favorite scenes he's ever done because, from McConaughey's acting standpoint, because no one's ever had to act that kind of scene out where yeah. you haven't seen your daughter. It's an incredibly no, unique scene. You, you just left your daughter like a year ago, mm. but for her, she's aged twenty years, mm. and so she has. And she, 20 and she years, hasn't heard from you. She has twenty years of pain yeah. behind her eyes. Because she thought you because you abandoned and because her. Because you made the decision, he made the mistake of going to that planet. Yeah, it was his choice, so he failed in that. It's that it's a it's good when characters fail in movies, and he fails in that moment by choosing to go to the planet because it ended up being just the water planet and not working out. Well, if you think about it, if he doesn't make that mistake, he probably doesn't try to uh, at the end link up with the other shuttle yeah, to so save the world ending up, because he probably would have out. taken a practical approach yeah. like he did with that planet yeah. whereas like let's just get out of here yeah. let's go back to the earth mm-hmm. whereas he's like I'm gonna save this mission and yeah. save the world so he probably wouldn't have done that if he didn't go to that planet and make that ba- that huge mistake Yeah. but um, oh man that scene because like so no, no one's ever had a situation like that in a movie or in a character but yeah. anyways I want to go over some fun facts of Chris Nolan fun, hit me so um Chris Nolan on set always carries a flask of Earl Grey tea <laughs> that he's constantly sipping out of. In his vest pocket. In his vest pocket. And I think I've, I've seen like a Michael Caine interview where he's like, I don't know what's in that flask. <laughs> or, no, I don't know what's in that flask. <laughs> I won't bury another Batman. I won't bury another. <laughs> you, know, you know what's cool? I'm Michael Caine. You know, I, <laughs> Michael Caine. I love Michael Caine. And um, I was never really like big into his older movies Dude, he's the man. But um, he was the man. Now I understand why why Christopher Nolan uses Michael Caine so often is because Michael Caine's the fucking man. He's awesome. Like his he old movies, he was the shit he was, for he was, like twenty years. Yeah, he was the icon of British cinema. I had no idea, even yeah. in Hollywood cinema too. But like, he was in so many cool spy movies. He's the he's the lead in the original Italian Job movie, yeah. which I watched recently he for was the first the lead, time. He was Alfie. He's he was like the ultimate womanizer in Alfie. He's so cool. Yeah. And then like now I understand why Chris Nolan loves yeah. him so much. And, and always he's, honestly, has... he's a fucking an incredible actor. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's great. so good. But now I understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Chris Nolan's a massive James Bond fan. It's like his favorite film franchise. Not surprised. And um, his favorite James Bond movie is On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, he's his self-proclaimed expert on, on, on James Bond movies. Do you think he'll make a James Bond movie? I hope he does at some point. I think if he makes a James Bond movie, it would be a reboot. So it would be when they make a new, when they cast a new Bond. Because I don't think he'd want to take over after someone else established Oh, no, 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 I don't think so either. Yeah. So maybe after Danny Craig, who knows? Him and Henry Cavill. I mean, maybe. he's kind of on pace because he makes like two mo- a movie every two years. They're going to need to replace Bond for and so two, if Tenet two years comes out, now. they're going to be, yeah, so they're, yeah, I mean, I could see it happening. You would do something with time. Probably like James Bond travels time through machine. time. <laughs> He's definitely gonna kill his wife. <laughs> well, it's like how I called that. Um, the new Mission Impossible is gonna be in space. I called yeah. that because it's like, what else can you do? Well, is it? It's not Mission Impossible. It's a separate movie. No, the Mission Impossible the new one will They're be. They're gonna in space. do it in space. Yeah. So he's gonna make two movies in space. No, no, the, uh, space has nothing to do with the other movie I was talking to you about. Well, Doug Liman is directing a Tom Cruise movie in space. Well, it's different, yeah. So he's doing two about, movies in space? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. But Mission Impossible, they're actually shooting scenes yeah, in space. McCoy's shooting it, yeah. It's going to be the first movie ever shot in, in space, like a fiction movie, not like a NASA movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, Chris Nolan never attended film school, which most amazing directors never did. He was an English major. Um, he regularly opts for practical effects when shooting um, like large action scenes, explosions, um, like he blew up the building in the Dark Knight rather than doing with CGI. Yeah, he blew up the hospital. So he'll, I mean, yeah, the hospital. So he'll use CGI to enhance 
his practical effects, which is what makes a movie and his scenes look super realistic. And what that means is the enhancing is a lot of like getting, like erasing like the pyrotechnics structures and stuff like that. So a lot, a lot of enhancing is a lot of erasing stuff that you don't want in the picture. Or just adding and stuff just adding like other buildings or things. like something like that. But oftentimes they're erasing things. So. Yeah, so which is one of the reasons why his movies are so look so visually stunning. It's all in camera. It's real. You know, Dark Knight Rises, he really flipped a plane upside down and cut and broke it in half. Like, he did that. <laughs> there were people flying those planes. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. He didn't do that with... It's not Star Wars. Like, <laughs> we got this tense... Like, fast and furious. Yeah. Jesus. Um, he wrote a Howard Hughes movie for Jim Carrey, mm. which never... Got re- he never made because at the same time, like when he finished the script, Scorsese was in production on Aviator, which is also a Howard Hughes movie, which yeah. is an amazing film. Leo is fantastic in it. Scorsese did a, it's one of his best movies, but um, it's just bad timing, bad luck that at the same time Chris Nolan wrote what he says was his best script ever at mm. the time. He never got he never gets to make a movie about it. You know, it's kind of like Kubrick with Napoleon. Yeah. Um, it's a bummer, but because Howard Hughes is a very interesting guy. Fascinating um, guy. Jim Carrey is a phenomenal actor. Probably would have knocked it out of the he park. He would have crushed it. That would have been a, that been a he really— He would have gotten nominated if that, that happened. That would have been a really interesting combination, a partnership of Chris Nolan and Jim Carrey. It mm-hmm. would have been interesting because he doesn't really work with comedians. Mm. And then to see, But, I mean, Jim Jim's such a great dramatic actor anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Nolan deliberately only wears two two <laughs> outfits on set. He either wears his his warm weather suit and vest or his <laughs> his cold weather suit and vest. <laughs> I love how the warm weather is still a suit and yeah. vest, <laughs> which is like a genius kind of thing. Where like 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 you said, Steve Jobs wears the same. We used to wear the same outfit. If you don't think about what you're gonna wear, then you don't. Yeah. It's, it frees up a lot of space yeah. in your head. A lot of people do that, so he doesn't have to think about what he's gonna. You never wear. have to think about buying yeah. clothes. Um. Uh. He and his brother developed the idea for Memento on their road trip to L.A. Hmm. before they moved here. Um, he doesn't have a cell phone or personal email, which is kind of like you're sort of there with your <laughs> fucking flip phone. But, yeah, he doesn't have an email. And, you know, his, it, it's smart for him. I've heard him say that he doesn't have one because um, he likes to think. Yeah. And then he also is like, it's like a rat in New York City. I'm never two feet away from a smartphone. Yeah, he, has, he has an assistant. He's yeah, got his sir, wife. Yeah. His wife produces his movies, so yeah. I'm sure she's on top of everything. Yeah, whenever he needs to take a call and say, he just uses someone on the cruise phone yeah. or someone on production crew. I'm sure they have a Chris Nolan director phone <laughs> over there. <laughs> he uh, he pitched Dunkirk as a virtual reality without a headset. Mm. So that was his pitch for Dunkirk, which when you watch it, kind of is. If, yeah, I've I've never felt as immersed in a war film as I did watching that. Or I don't think I've ever felt as immersed in a film. Yeah, watching it in theaters. Also, you didn't come see it in 75 millimeter with us, did you? I don't think so. I think you I? saw it in 35. Maybe. I'm pretty sure. I thought I saw it in No, you, you didn't come with us, though. I left. We had a ticket waiting for you, but you never came. Oh, yeah. You probably I had, had to work. No, you probably had like a date. I had to work. You probably had like a date. I wouldn't date. have gone. I wouldn't have missed that for a date. No, I had was, to work. It was F Boy Leo in 2017, <laughs> laying pipe left and right. <laughs> but I saw Dunkirk, 75 millimeter film in IMAX, and I've never felt more immersed in a movie. And I think one of the main. Reasons is because uh, two main reasons: minimal dialogue, mm-hmm. and then the camera acts makes it acts as like a character with the main character the whole time. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel like you're the camera guy, or you feel like you're the camera, and you feel like you're in the film. Like yeah, yeah, you're level. in the cockpit with Tom Hardy. Yeah, you know what I mean. You feel like you're in a fighter jet. Yeah. Speaking of Tom Hardy, 
Chris Nolan's one of these directors that has a fetish for putting masks on Tom Hardy. <laughs> I don't know if it's like covering en- up the most famous mouth in Hollywood. I don't know if it's like envy for how attractive Tom Hardy is. How, but like, how thick his lips are. <laughs> he's done two movies where he's put a mask on the guy for the majority of the movies. Like Dunkirk and then Dark Knight Rises. There's like two yeah. scenes in each movie where he's not wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. And he's just... I don't know if it's like a weird fetish or something, but must, like maybe he's jealous. Like, yeah. let me cover you up. <laughs> no one else can see you. It happens in a bunch. It's Mad Max. He's wearing a mask like half the movie. It's weird, man. <laughs> and then um, his favorite movie is Blade Runner. That's not surprised. The original Blade Runner. Yeah, obviously. You want to know a fun fact? Sure. He came up with the idea for Dunkirk when uh, he was in college. Him and his wife actually took a boat with some friends across that body of water. And they, well, not with the idea, but the idea he wanted to make the movie. Yeah, um, not yeah, but um, and they were in the middle of the journey, and then a huge storm hit, mm-hmm. and they were dealing with incredibly tense waves and crazy streams of water, and mm-hmm. they it was a very hectic situation. It took them hours to get to the other side, and so then he was he always kept that in the back of his head. Yeah, that he actually kind of sort of felt what it might have felt like. Yeah, to be one of those that boats journey. crossing that channel. Yeah. Exactly. The cool thing about Chris Nolan is, yeah, he's an amazing filmmaker. He's a very successful filmmaker. Um, he's a huge audience. The guy made arguably the three best comic book movies, or the the best one of the best trilogies in film history. And yeah, just trilogies. And then in between each of those movies, he put out an amazing movie. Yeah. So like between Batman and Dark Knight, he puts out The Prestige, which is fantastic. It's an unbelievable movie. movie. Between The Dark Knight. And Dark Knight Rises puts out Inception. Yeah. And then after Dark Knight Rises, puts out Interstellar. It's just like, this guy is insane. insane. He nuts. can't swing and miss. He's like Teddy Ballgame, dude. <laughs> He's knocking it out of the park every time. That he makes gets up a great storyteller. It's like yeah. they don't make bad movies. Like Tarantino yeah. doesn't make bad movies. Paul but Thomas Anderson doesn't make bad movies. The fact of how quickly he makes these movies. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's because he doesn't have a phone or an email. It's like every two years. I'm, I'm, I doubt Tarantino's on Instagram, dude. He has a flip phone. But um, Tarantino, I think he spends a lot of time. W- more time than Nolan writing, probably. Do you know how Tarantino comes up with his ideas? Yeah. He well, he music obviously is a big part of it, and what he has in his home, he has a whole room that's built like a record studio, and he has shelves filled with vinyl records. Uh-huh. And so he'll like he'll just go in and shop in there, and so he'll walk around and he'll have like ideas and nuggets for like characters or scenes or like maybe an idea for a movie. And then he'll, he'll go, he'll browse through all of his records, and they're like lined up in shelves, like a vinyl record store. And it'll look like, oh, this may, this might work for this, this idea I have. Yeah. And he'll play the records, and then if he feels right with the music, he he might write a scene down. So that's how he, that's how he, that's his writing process. That's pretty interesting. Isn't that I cool? Mean, Tarantino's probably, I think he's probably the best writer director, probably ever. It, 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 well, let's see what his last film looks like. He he's up there. Well, who's up there with in terms of screenwriter director? Writer director? Yeah. Um, PTA is up there. Yeah. Okay. PTA. Yeah. Um, Akira Kurosawa is up there. Um, because like Chris Nolan's one of those very rare directors, like Chris, what like yeah. Tarantino, that that write and direct only makes his movies. He yeah. doesn't make other people's screenplays. He co-writes like he co-wrote two, three movies with his brother Jonathan Nolan. Yeah. He co-wrote Batman Begins with um the guy who made Blade. Uh-huh. Um. So like he's co-written movies, but still all of his movies are his writing. Yeah. yeah well, they're his French, voice. French directors and Italian directors like Fellini. And um, Godard, like they wrote their films as well, so and they made a lot of movies. So mm-hmm. 
they're competing with those guys as well. True. Um, yeah, but in but terms for Americans, of Hollywood, Hollywood, American, not just Americans, Hollywood. I, or, I'd say Orson he's, Welles. He's is prob- Orson Welles is probably writer director, the yeah. best writer director. Did he only direct movies he wrote though? Yeah. All right, so he's probably up there too. Yeah. Now I understand why Orson Welles ate his fat ass to death. <laughs> <laughs> the guy made Citizen Kane when he was twenty six. Kidding? Genius. Can you believe that? Twenty six years old. It's pretty incredible. Citizen Kane. So that was an original screenplay, or is yeah. it off a book? Uh, he wrote that oh, original screenplay. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's genius stuff, right? Wrote, there. directed, and starred in it. And it's considered it's uh, many considered the best movie ever made. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the best movie ever made because I mean it's a different era. This is a long time ago. You gotta and, watch it a few times. No, I know, I know, it's I understand. Really I understand why people say it's the best film ever made. But I mean, I've grown up in the '90s and 2000s. Yeah, 2000s. we grew up with like The Matrix, and it's different. You know, it's yeah. a different world. That's like saying like Coca Cola is the best soda. Like I mean, <laughs> so long ago. It's just different. It's really different world. World. I mean, it's like saying Elvis is the best musician ever. I mean, yeah, he's a great musician. He's found a lot of people love him. Fundamental in, in rock and roll and everything. But I mean, I like a lot of other bands better than yeah, yeah Elvis. Yeah, you yeah. Know? but it's just different. Yeah, the filmmaking was great, but it's still primitive compared to today. He, they were breaking new ground with that movie. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. But like, it yeah. was still again primitive compared to today. Yeah. We're just living in. People understand. We're living in the greatest time ever for <laughs> entertainment. And mov- movie, every movie you see is amazing. Yeah. It's like, technically, what the fuck? Like, imagine if you took someone from, like, the 1920s or 30s and made them watch a movie today. They'd be like, just anything on Netflix. <laughs> Color? What? <laughs> <laughs> did they really blow that plane up? Did, did Vin Diesel really jump across those two cars? <laughs> <laughs> One of, uh, I think if you... If you're going to talk about Christopher Nolan as the director in his movies, you have to also mention his collaboration with Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. And the music Hans has made for Nolan's movies is some of the best film music in history. Yeah, because they started working together at Batman Begins. Yeah. They didn't work together in The Prestige. No. David um, Julian did it. But they did um, every other movie after that yeah. until... Tenet's um, going to be by Ludwig van Gorensen. Yeah, the guy who did Black Panther is doing yeah. Tenet. And this is the first time since... The Prestige, they haven't worked together because um, Zimmer is busy working on Dune. Dune. Oh, Dune, shit. Which is going to be awesome. I People have no idea what's going on with Dune. I they hope, don't know. I hope Dune does well because it's going to be so good. It's yeah. going to be so cool. People, Dune's way better than Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars sucks. <laughs> We're going to have a whole Star Wars episode. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> but anyways, Hans Zimmer, one of the best composers out there. Uh, it's the most important collaboration in film since Spielberg and John Williams. Absolutely, Absolutely. for sure. Because you can't think of a Spielberg movie without John Williams' music, mm-hmm. and you can't think of a Nolan movie without Hans Zimmer music. Yeah, for I the mean, most part. when you think of the prestige music, you're like, I can't even think of what it sounds like, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's honestly just slow strings the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> no, Chris, no, is yeah. Like, Chris is like, I need someone else for Batman because. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Hans did such an amazing job with the Batmans, and then. He, as unique of a movie that Inception is in terms of writing and production and filmmaking, the music is just as unique and interesting and new. It's one of my favorite scores. And no one's ever done music like that before. You know, Hans Zimmer kind of created that whole style that so many action movies that brah, have brah. stolen. Like every freaking action trailer. You can't you watch see. a trailer without it getting like, brah. yeah, like a horror trailer, an action movie. They're all using these. Deep basses, all these drums and everything, and Hans did such an amazing job. The with thing with that score is it perfectly matches the idea of um, of t- time manipulation, mm-hmm. of slowing down time, 
just like how when you're in a dream within a dream, it slows down time compared to the present. Yeah. When you, you listen to I mean? the score by itself, like, yeah, you understand the movie a little better. It's insane. It's an unbelievable score. And um, no, Hans has done an amazing job all, all around. I mean, Interstellar is amazing, too. Interstellar is great with the organs. Now you see every space movie that comes out has fucking has organs. organs. Yeah. Has organs. Every fucking one. Freaking First Man had organs. <laughs> first Man, I love that movie, but man, I have an issue with, uh, what's the composer's name? Um, oh, I can't remember. Because that movie, he, he ripped off another score. Ripped off um, E.T. E.T. Oh my God, it's so ripped off He ripped off E.T. E. big time. It's insane. I was listening to E.T. I hadn't listened to E.T. in years. I listened to it Which like, is a, an amazing score. It's really good. I listened yeah. to it like six months ago, and I remember I texted you. I'm like, he ripped off E.T. It's bad. But I mean, John like Lee. some of the main themes, not yeah. just like a bit here and there. It's yeah. like some of the main themes but of I mean, ET. J Dubs has ripped off some composers too. Let's be honest. He's he's J Dubs has ripped off very old composers that people don't know Star of. Star Wars is pretty much a rip off. The Jaws, dun, 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 is Jaws actually, is a rip off. It's a rip off. The um the dark, I mean um the Star Wars like the the march of like the Vader the, march, the Empire march, uh, and like the Vader's. Those are rip offs. Like I we're I can't remember his name, but we're thinking of the same exact composer where mm-hmm. he like legit stole the music. Yeah. it's pretty fucking close. <laughs> it's like, but you know, you know what they say about um geniuses is uh it's like um a, a brilliant artist copies a, a brilliant artist cop uh, steals. Because they mean, know what's good. Yeah, I mean. They know what's great, so they recognize it. It's like anyone's going to say that John it. Williams isn't the best film composer of all time, because he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It's not like everything is ever written, he's stolen. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess a lot of people think, like, I maybe it's to the point That's where— That's like saying every bank robbery movie is stolen from every other bank robbery movie. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's it's, it's an argument for sure. Uh. Every movie is a remix of every other movie. Yeah. Everything's a remix. Although, you know, there's— I'm not saying that it, that that Hans Zimmer hasn't stolen ideas before. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure he's taken some ideas. Yeah. It's just it's just so hard when like you think about all everything that's been created media wise. Of course, there's things, only so many options. Things are gonna be copied. Yeah. Things are gonna be used, reused. And I mean, maybe it's his way to tribute that compo- that orchestrator, that mm-hmm. composer. Um, but I'm, I don't care honestly, because I love their music. I kind of cared when I found out, but. Nah, John Williams is still the best. I mean, I still saw J Dub's his live performance. It was that was amazing. awesome. It was super cool. That was, was, that was, was great. It was awesome. That was a good night. Although he didn't compose, he was chilling. He's old. He's too old. He can't man. stand for that long. He can't I stand wish, for two hours. My one regret with John Williams is I wish he did more of the Harry Potter movies and less of he the Star wanted to. I know, but like, Star Wars had a reboot every yeah. fucking. Let's do Star Wars. Let's do more Star Wars movies. <laughs> let's do some more Star Wars. Hey, we're gonna do some more Star Wars movies. We've only done fifteen this this century. Let's do some more. We're gonna Star release Wars. two Star Wars movies every year for the rest of the time. Because man, he was killing it with with Harry Potter. Oh my god! And then Goblet came out. It was like this music. Goblet's movie's terrible. This I mean, music is trash. Order of the Phoenix is pretty good, but uh, I, I would say Alexander Desplat. Really brought it home with the last two. True, yeah. He really did. I mean, Half-Blood Prince is phenomenal with Nicholas Hooper. He did a great... It's pretty good. Half-Blood Prince is probably my favorite score of all of them. I mean, not John Williams, I mean. (laughs) Not John Williams. Because... No, yeah, yeah. I I meant... Oh, my God. Post-John Williams. You gotta listen to the Splat ones again. They're great. Dude, I listened to them all a bunch. Like, trust me. I don't know what you think about Half-Blood Prince being the best score. Well, you know what? Not everything that you like has to be liked by everybody I else. I am always right. <laughs> if you're wrong, you're you're a horrible person. Yeah, you're way this too where we live. You're in. way too woke for me, man. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in any kind of superhero movie is when Batman gets his ass beat by Bane. Yeah. Because I feel like in any superhero movie, 
I've never really felt like the, the lead hero was in danger. But with that scene, and he's getting his ass beat, I was like, oh, fuck, he's in trouble. Well, you kind of do with Avengers um, Part 1 of Infinity Wars, but you also realize there's a Part 2. This you is know, gonna be that's yeah. the whole thing. Like, that's the thing. I, it's not real. I, it's not real danger. Yeah. You know they're all going to come back. And so then the, the, shitty, it doesn't count. the shitty thing that Marvel did with that it was like they sh- they put out those like photos of like everyone's dead. Every- oh, my God. And it didn't happen in the fucking movie. It was like so a dream dumb. sequence. It's like so they just dumb. tricked you. So they lied, like, yeah. So, like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't really happen where you think all is lost. Yeah. And but with that scene, when ba- when Bane is just going to town on him, and he cracks his mask open, and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, the first that time I saw That scene is insane. Every time I watch that's, it. I that's like... one of my favorite scenes in any superhero movie. Because he lost. Yeah. Batman lost. He got broken. I mean, there are other, there are obviously in other movies, superheroes lose at some point, yeah. and they have to come back. But, they but don't, that was, he was, like, brutalized. They don't get destroyed don't, like his that. His back was broken. Like, yeah. That scene, like, that was, like, the, the pinnacle of that movie, I think. Because you see, like, the superiority Bane had over yeah. him in terms of strength and even intelligence and everything. Because it's finally, he, like, someone is, is way more powerful than him. And, like, Chris Nolan just has the balls to show that yeah. and do that with his with his. Yeah, I'm just going to break Batman's back. Well, I mean, they do it in the comic book. Yeah, yeah, so, no, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. But, um... No, but I understand why people have gripes with Dark Knight Rises. It's the worst of the three, but that's not saying it's a bad movie. I know, yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's great. It's, it's great. great. Do you remember when we saw the the trailer for the first time in yeah. your in your old bedroom back in the day? And like, I remember when it came out, we ran in there because oh had, yeah, 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 you had that tiny bedroom with that little crevice that your desk was in, and we like <laughs> sat in your bed and we watched it like six times in a row. <laughs> it was like that trailer where like it opens up with with Bane like. Hopping up onto the football field yeah, and yeah, blowing yeah. up the football like, oh. field, and we're like, "What the fuck's going on?" <laughs> and the kids singing, Ben yeah. Roethlisberger's in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, Troy Troy Palomaro, Troy Palomalu. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger's in it too. Oh yeah, you're right. He's on the fucking sidelines. All right, yeah. You're Jesus right. fucking Christ, this fucking kid can't have another. Can't have two players in the Steelers you're in the wrong. movie. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> My feelings say that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> My truth is right, <laughs> but I will say that trailer was great. It was it a really was, good tra- was a great trailer. I, I would say the trailer might be better than the movie, though. Trailers are great. I love trailers. No, but no, that trailer might be better than that movie. Yeah. Chris Nolan does a great job with his trailers, though. Yeah. Does he edit his own trailers? Um, he probably has a say in it, but only got like PTA edits his trailers. Well, PTA also edits a lot of his movies. Yeah. Like he edited Phantom Thread. Yeah. He's she shot it. Too. He shot it. Yeah. <laughs> he was like him and Robert Ellsworth don't get along anymore. Really? Yeah. Why? What happened? Do you know? They're just like having a falling out over like arguments and disputes on set. Well, I mean, I'm sure you worked they're together both, for 15 years. Yeah, they're both years stubborn. And they're both perfectionists. Yeah, they're both exactly, geniuses. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm sure oh, PTA can be demanding. You know what I mean? Probably. So they, that, I'm not sure they're going to work together again. Yeah. Hey, you know, things move on. He got his Oscar for cinematography, so he, he's good. What do you win his Oscar for? There will be there blood. There will be blood. Yeah, I was just double checking. Oh, just my double checking. God. I don't keep a list of IMDb awards in my head. I don't head. keep a list. I just know them. Oh, I just fucking know them. I'm Leo. <laughs> You're on a movie podcast. You might want to know who won cinematography. I'm sorry to win cinematography in 2008, <laughs> asshole. Jesus fucking Christ. It's 2020. <laughs> my God. You think I know who won sound design? <laughs> Fuck. I guessed it at the same time you said it, bitch. <laughs> my God. You want to guess Chris Nolan's filmography in chronological order again? <laughs> you already did it, motherfucker. This guy. But I like that he's not working with Wally Fisher anymore. Yeah. I think Wally did a great job with the movies he was a part of. But I think Wally lost all his – not all his credibility. <laughs> but I think when Wally tried to be a director and make <laughs> Transcendence, which was 
garbage. It was really bad. What a, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah. In my life, like we were very excited. for I'm it. not even kidding. That I was, I was excited because yeah. I like Wally a lot, and it has very like talented, great cast. And but what a shitty movie. It was bad. And you know, Chris is like, I can't be associated <laughs> with this guy anymore. But also, like, he, Chris probably lost 20 million on that movie because he produced it. Yeah. He was one of the producers of it. Yeah. So I mean. I, I like that. If you lost me $20 million, I would not be as close friends with you as I am. <laughs> First of all, make $20 million, and then I'll lose it for you. Let's <laughs> be really here. I'm not giving you $20 million. Who says I won't make $20 million? I said I'm not giving you $20 million. You can make money. What if I wanted to make a cool movie and I need $20 million? We'll have to go over the script first. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like that he switched. And um, Ho- Hoyt's great. Hoyt's Hoyt. one of the best working cinematographers there is. I mean, Interstellar was phenomenal. Yeah. And it still had a Chris Nolan Sky- vibe. I mean, um, not Skyfall. Um, the, the most recent Bond movie. The shitty one? Yeah. Um, that movie's so bad that I purposely erased it from my it memory. It looks great, though. Um, Spectre. Spectre. Fuck Spectre. So Spectre, not the best Bond movie, but it it was so well shot. It looks so good. It does, no, I mean, the opening scene to Spectre, that opening one take, is amazing. Yeah. It's the best part of the movie, though. Yeah. The rest of the movie is garbage. And they wasted Christoph Waltz, although he will he will be back for the new one. Yeah, he's going to be in prison in the new one. So, um, they're like, that's what's... I like that part about the James Bonds, the new ones, where they're kind of, like, continuing these same storylines. Yeah. But I guess it's, it's also smart because it's coming to a close. You know what I mean? So... Tie it all together. Tie it all together, end it, put a bow on it. Ship it out, Chris. Um, Danny Craig's done. Let's get some new hot young guy in here. <laughs> Let's get a new hunk in there. Who do you want it to be, James Bond? Um, James Bond. Um, I would say some good options would be um, uh, Henry Cavill, um, Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. That's an interesting choice, but he's not. He's blonde though. So Ch- Daniel Craig's blonde. Oh, yeah, you're Fucking right. idiot. He's like dirty blonde. <laughs> there was a huge deal when he got cast. Like blonde James Bond, remember? Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I think Lakeith Stanfield would be a great Bond. What's he in? He's from uh, Get Out in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. he British? He's not British, but he could do it. I feel like Bond has got to be, be, be a Brit. You can't not have a Brit. Brit do it. That's the thing. So, like, if you wanted to have a, okay. bl- a black Bond, it'd probably be Idris. He's too old, though, I think. I think he's he- almost 50. You can't make a five-movie franchise with someone who's 50 already. Well, who says they have to make five movies? They're going to want to. Who's the best young black British actors? I don't know. Oh, uh, the, the kid from, uh, the guy from Star Wars. John Boyega? I John don't want to see John Boyega as James Bond. He's just in Star Wars, man. Oh, you know who would be good? It was uh, Riz Ahmed would be good. Yeah, he'd be a good choice. He'd be, I think he would be a really good choice yeah. for Bond. Because he's, uh, yeah. he's not black, but he's um he's got a Middle Eastern yeah, yeah. blood in him. And... um. He's British. He's he's handsome and he's very talented. I think he'd be a good Bond villain too. He'd be a good villain, I think. I think he'd be a good Bond. Yeah. He might be too small. He's though. too small. Yeah, yeah. I think he's like what five seven. Yeah. He look and skinny. He's yeah. Little, he might be too small. Well, it's like the new like uh, PC, <laughs> like the, the sensitive James Bond, <laughs> noodle arm James Bond. He never has sex with the woman James Bond. <laughs> Oh my god! Good thing we're not famous because that would get me so much shit. All right, so I'd say either like Cavill or Charlie Hunnam, or they go with an unknown. 
I would say if they go with a black person or any other kind of person of color, it would be a really smart choice for them. Yeah, I would I would have no problem having a person of color being James Bond. I would love to see Idris Elba as James Bond. Yeah, he was my choice, but you know what I mean. Craig signed on for another one, but I just think Elba's too old. You can't start a franchise with him. He's already, like by the time they make another one, he's gonna be like fifty two. Yeah, but I mean there were some old James Bonds, but in Hollywood, fifty two isn't that old anymore. Especially for men. <laughs> you know what I mean? Idris still looks great. You throw some makeup Idris, on Idris him. Idris looks really great. Yeah. I mean, I would say Robert Pattinson, but he's Batman. He'd be a, he'd be an option. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. He's if he's already Batman, he's not. Or who's be the kid um, in X Men? Nicholas Holt. Yeah, Nicholas Holt. He'd be an option. Yeah, he's a good option. He'd be a choice. Yeah, I would love to see Cavill, but I think Cavill is just too jacked to be fun. <laughs> he's too jacked, dude. He's too easily spotable as a yeah, secret like, agent. Yeah, <laughs> like, obviously that guy's he's, a spy. He's not very conspicuous. I can bench like biceps <laughs> like this. Bench is like three sixty. Like he's not a good spy. He's gonna be the most jacked Sherlock Holmes in the new Sherlock movie. Oh yeah, he's that's right, Sherlock Holmes. He's he's enormous. I love Henry. But anyways, it'd be cool to see um, Nolan direct one. Yeah, and. I'm sure he would kill it. Yeah, he'd probably do an amazing job. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we're pretty good on this one. Yeah. We got a lot of Chris Nolan notes in there. A lot of talking points. Hell of a lot of notes. Um, all right. That's it for episode five of the Raiders of the Lost podcast, Chris Nolan Tenant Edition. Thanks for tuning in. See you next Thursday. Make sure you follow the Instagram, the YouTube channel. The Tiki Talk. The Tiki Talk is blowing up. Um, so go follow that too for all fun quick clips if you don't want to watch the entire tea of this episode but listen on spotify apple podcasts aka itunes um podbean google podcasts in your car or at work <laughs> there's so many things we're all we're all over the place bro <laughs> we're on the grid yeah and yeah have a great our day. next episode we might shit on star wars so so yeah might be fun we might talk <laughs> shit about star wars in the next episode it's probably fun we get so much hate but <laughs> it'd be totally point. worth it <laughs> fuck star wars dune is so much better <laughs> <laughs> Alora. Anyways, bye. Have a great week.